Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hi, everyone. This is Allison Kay, and welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We are heading over to one of my brand new friends in the healthcare and medical space. You know, I always say, you know, we aren't in a world where one size fits all when it comes to servicing healthcare needs. And that's exactly what this founder realized and stepped in with a business that is one that you want to know. Um, maybe not one that you're going to use today or tomorrow, but one that I promise you, you're going to want to know. So with that, I'm very happy to introduce you to Brianna Sochi. We're heading over to Boston and she is going to tell us all about UberDoc. Brianna, welcome to the program. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. So give us a little background on what the business is and why. Sure. So, um, uh, so like you said, my name is Brianna Sochi, and I'm the co-founder and chief operating officer at UberDoc, Inc., um, and we are headquartered and based in the Boston area. So um, how I like to explain UberDoc is that we're your fast pass to a doctor. So today's healthcare system is insanely complicated. We can all think of a time when we wanted to see a doctor, but it just wasn't easy to get in. Um, you know, as an example, you know, patients wait on average 25 days just to get a doctor's appointment. Um, you know, when a patient twists their ankle and needs to see an orthopedic, for instance, there is no model that exists that allows that patient to access that physician easily. Um, many of us have to go to our primary care mm -hmm. uh, to get a referral first, or we just have to wait months to get in. Um, there are urgent cares that pop up on every street corner, but they don't accommodate the world of specialty care, right? You, you can only do so much at, a, at an urgent care. So why is it so inconvenient? Um, the delays that patients face are caused by insurance restrictions and red tape. Yes, doctors are super busy and they have a lot going on, but there are so many steps that a physician's office has to take um, prior to your appointment with your insurance to guarantee that they're going to get paid for their services. And that's where the delays really come from. So we thought, what if we built a model that allowed a consumer to go online, uh, choose the actual physician that they needed and pay one single transparent price. So we got rid of insurance and its regulations. Um, and you can go on UberDoc and you can get a doctor's appointment just like you can walk into a cafe and get a nice coffee. Well, that sounds fabulous. And I, I have to say, um, you know, you started in 2016. Um, my data here says that you have now grown to over 5,000 doctors nationwide on the platform. Yeah. So Give us a little insight into why for the doctor. Why is this a sure. good solution for the doctor to want to be a part of UberDoc? Yeah, no, definitely. So, you know, our, our bread and butter are physicians who are still in private practice and, you know, they're business people. They're trying to, to keep the lights on. They're trying to, to get revenue. 
Um, but a lot of physician offices are cash restrained, right? So you, you see a patient and then you bill their Blue Cross, for instance, and you don't get paid for that in 30, 60, 90 days. So cash flow is really tight in a physician's office. So with UberDoc, you know, they can list, you know, a couple of weekly appointment slots on our directory for a patient who's just going to pay cash for that appointment. They're going to skip the line and come in directly. And there's no added overhead for the physician, right? They're just mm -hmm. doing, they're doing exactly what they do every single day. Day, um, but they're getting uh, paid up front versus having to bill and collect and so forth for it. Well, and, and I would have to say timing is right because there are, I know so many more people, particularly in this world where people are not so tied to employers for their health insurance. Um, they might have health spending accounts. They might sure. be putting away money in a different way. I, I would think that this does make a lot of sense for a lot of people. So I need to roll back because you're a first time founder, but you had a lot of business expertise before this. So bridge for us, you know, where you were before sure. and, and why this was such a great idea that you were like, I am coming in as a founder on this. Sure. So, um, so my background's in marketing and advertising. Um, I worked in both um, the direct-to-consumer space as well as uh, with B2B clients. Um, and I launched um, UberDoc with uh, Dr. Paula Muto, who is a general and vascular surgeon in private practice. Um, we knew each other through family friends. She had come to me for some marketing advice um, and it just kind of grew and grew and we decided, hey, let's just, let's just launch this thing. So she brought the expertise in, in healthcare and, um, you know, with my background in business, it was just a team that made sense. Um, at that time, I, I was looking for something different. I wanted to change um, and I wanted to build something that I thought could be really big. Um, and I also wanted to get involved early because I really love to roll up my sleeves and, and implement things. Um, I'm also a single mom and I have a young daughter and I, you know, I wanted her to look back one day and be like, wow, that was really cool what my mom built. That is fantastic. I love how you said a team that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so delicate to find that right founding partner and have it those is. kind of clear division of who has that expertise and, and make it work. And you're clearly making it work because you're um, about to do your series A, right? And yeah. Um, and so give us a little, I usually ask at the end, but because we're, we're talking to you when you're in, in scale up and growth mode, give us a little bit insight now as to what kind of that next evolution is for UberDoc and, and what your kind of footprint is today. Yeah. Yeah. So we're raising um, a series A of funding right now. Um, you know, up to this point, we've had, um, you know, investment has always been very interesting. You know, we bootstrapped to start and then we had some physician angel investors who not only signed up to be doctors on our platform, but also, you know, loved the mission so much that they invested in us. Um, so we've we've grown a really awesome network of investors around us, you know, mentors and advisors um, who have helped us along the way. So, um, you know, with this, with this funding, you know, we, we've spent, we've done a lot of trial and error. Um, we know what we do well. And, and with this funding, you know, we're going to reinforce reinforce and, and scale all those things that we've really done well. Um, but it's been it's been a great journey. And, um, you know, up till this point, the, the mission with UberDoc was so people like you and I, right, can go on and, and get an appointment, you know, with a with a urologist or orthopedic or, or psychiatrist whenever we needed it. So kind of that direct to consumer model. 
But recently we've we've started um, pivoting a little bit because some larger entities have come to us. Um, think the union and the government and, and other larger larger organizations who who have realized, you know, hey, we're sitting on this huge network of physicians and it's really hard to get a doctor's appointment. So um, they've come to us and said, hey, we'd really like to leverage this network too. And, and you know, why can't we use your your network to, to make appointments for for our members and our employees and so forth? What did it feel like when you started getting that those calls and those outreaches? Were you like, is this real? Um, yeah, I feel like that because it's when you're when you're, you know, there was a day where nobody called. There was a day where it was like, okay, what do we do next? Right. There were three <laughs> doctors on our platform. Um, and now to have like some bigger, you know, fish, you know, calling up and saying, Hey, like we've noticed you or hey, we've read this about you and we want to partner. Um, sometimes it feels surreal. <laughs> Well, let's talk about marketing because you have that wonderful, beautiful marketing background. What was your go-to market strategy? Because in your business model, it's a, it's a, there's a duality to it, right? Like, yeah. you know, you've got to get the, the customers, right? I'm going to joke and say the sick people, you've got to get the sick people. <laughs> uh, no, you've got to get the, the customer base, but you also had to build your physician base and build, yes. build trust. And those are very different marketing mindsets to talk to those audiences. So, so give us just a, a little juicy tidbit and lessons yeah. learned along the way when you first got started. Yeah, no, um, it was, it's always the chicken and the egg, right? Um, we did it from the beginning and sometimes it's still the chicken and the egg, but yeah, we have a two-sided marketplace, right? We have to, we have to get the the doctors um, on the platform, which is our supply. And then we have to grow the demand on the consumer side. Um, so it's been hard to juggle both of those things. Um, you know, when it comes to the physician side, our secret sauce is that, you know, we can get the doctors. We have 5,000, you know, nationwide who participate now and, and even more coming on. Um, and, and it's really evolved over time, you know, it started where I went, I literally went door to door, I knocked on doors, I made cold calls. Um, and I just asked people to get on and I pitched it that way. Um, and then we got once we started growing, and we wanted to go nationwide, our team uh, got very good at marketing automation. And that's really how we scaled this business. Um, and we were able to grow and um, now we're in all all 50 states, but we have um, our biggest areas are, are New England, because that's where we're located. We have a lot of penetration in Florida, Southern California, Texas. So um, marketing automation has been huge for us. So that's on the on the physician side. And then when it comes to the consumer side, um, direct to consumers hard. Um, it takes a lot of lots of marketing dollars and um, lots of testing. Um, but we started really small. So, you know, for instance, we knew that we had, I had coverage all throughout Tampa, Florida, for instance. So I just kind of focused on that area. Um, and we did digital ads. That's mostly how we, how we did it. Um, but we went to a bunch of different channels and hoped for some cross pollination there. Um, so that's been great on the, the direct to consumer front. And, and like I said earlier, now we have, um, now we're, we're, um, we're working with some, what I call bulk buyers, you know, some bigger entities who will, who, um, facilitate a lot more appointments um, versus just one single direct-to-consumer person. So we said early on that you are a, a first-time founder. Um, your co-founder is a, 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 another female. And there's always so many lessons along the way. I like to call them like yeah. lessons, hard truths. Um, anything that surprised you as you were building this or that if you met another founder, you'd be like, oh, let me tell you, you need yeah. to know this. Yeah. Um, 
Access to financing has always been a big challenge for us. Um, you know, VCs invest in entrepreneurs they know and and they feel safe with and comfortable with. Um, both uh, Dr. Mudo and myself are are, are first time founders, um, and we're women. And um, historically, um, you know, little VC funding has has been secured by female founders. This this challenge has been bittersweet, um, you know, because although it has constricted our availability or our ability to achieve um, sustainable revenue and scale, um, you know, we were able to prove that we could do amazing things on small budgets. Um, you know, we learned um, to consider every single dollar that we've ever spent um, and invest it in strategies and initiatives that really um, push that needle of growth for us. Sharing that. Hey, when you are running a tech company like you are, I always ask, is this done as a collaboration of um, full-time staff and outsourced partners? How are you getting the technology done? Sure. Um, that's a great question. So it, it's all all of the things. So we've always done all of the things. So we have um, a great team um, that works full time for us. Um, and, you know, people have come and go, gone and um, and it's been great. But we also, um, you know, leverage outsource vendors. Um, for instance, our technology partners have always been outsourced. and They've been wonderful. Um, and we're super lucky with um, how um, simple and seamless our, te our technology platform is. Um, but we like to, you know, we, we we like to surround ourselves with people, with experts who who know the space. And, you know, sometimes that's a full-time employee and sometimes that's a consultant or contracted work. So let's go back to this piece about fundraising. Um, you have been featured on different business and technology initiatives, Boss Baby, Health Tech, and um, a Thai New York pitch finalist. So what are some of the things that you've learned about the art of the pitch through this process? Yeah, um, I'm still learning. That's for sure. Um, even as I as I pitch today, I, I'm still learning. But um, you know, a lot of it has been, you know, you get up there. I think I've spent a lot of time, you know, trying to trying to prep and and do all these things. But when I get up there and I'm I'm comfortable, I know what I'm talking about, right? It's my business. Like I know my business, right? And I think when I had that mindset of like, hey, you know this, right? This is your business. You grew it. You can answer any question that comes your way. Um, that that's made me feel a lot more comfortable getting up there. A lot of it's just conversation too. I think, you know, trying to, to get rid of this kind of like formality. I mean, obviously you want to be professional, but you know, at the end of the day, it's a conversation. And, you know, I always look forward to just telling another person about UberDoc. Um, and that's just what I want to do at the end of the day. And that's why you're here today so that we right. can talk about this and, <laughs> and learn. Hey, you had mentioned earlier that you know, you've had some great investors that are also serving as mentors. What's some of that best mentoring advice that you've received? Yeah, um, the best piece of advice I ever received, um, and it's still something um, I always have to think back to because sometimes I um, I find myself um, kind of going down that path again, is um, like, do not pivot um, your business, right, or your path based on every single suggestion that you get from um, a mentor or advisor, which was funny because um, this advisor was actually tell, you know, telling me, giving me a suggestion about um, a path I should go down. But at the same time, he was like, but be careful, do not pivot every single time I tell you what way to, way to go. 
Um, you know, lots of people have recommendations when, when uh, you ask for someone's opinion, they will give it to you. It's great to take that feedback and advice, but be mindful, right? We spend a lot of time going down various paths and implementing new features. And, and sometimes it's just not the right thing to do at that time. So, um, you know, something I, I try to, to tell myself frequently is, is just monitor that, right? And, and just um, assess it before you decide to, to move forward with it. So what do you think makes, again, I'm going to just go back to your team that makes sense. What is it that is making your relationship with your co-founder like a lovely partnership? What are those yeah. those pieces that you're like, I am so gr- glad that I have this going for us? Yeah, um, we we got really lucky. Um, you know, I know there are lots of people out there who have great ideas and they're looking for a co-founder, right? I, I see stuff about that all the time. I actually knew, um, Paula and I have actually knew each other personally before we got into business together. Um, and I think that was really helpful for us because we knew we knew how we operated, right? We knew the personalities that were coming to the table. Um, we knew what kind of made each other mad and the way we to push each other's buttons. So um, because we were so comfortable with each other, we're really able to have sometimes those really hard, um, harsh conversations and hard conversations. Um, and we don't take it personal. Um, so I think that's been really helpful for us. Fantastic. What do you do to keep yourself um, balanced and motivated? We always talk about, you know, founders who are in the thick of really um, growing the company as as you still are. You've achieved great success and and we're talking to you because we believe you're going to have even more success. But what is it that you do to make sure that that you can stay balanced, healthy, you know, giving to every aspect of your life that you need to give sure. to? Sure. Um, I don't have it perfect yet. Um, and that's still something I'm I'm trying to get better with. But um I one of the things you have to you know know as an entrepreneur is it's kind of it's a roller coaster of emotions, right? Everybody says that um there are good times, there are bad times, there are fast times, there are slow times. But um I, I've become a lot more comfortable realizing that, you know, during the slow times, right? things are going to be crazy, right? It's inevitable. So enjoy the time, right? And relax because once you, once you turn the corner, things, um, things will get crazy again. So I try to adjust my mindset and be more comfortable with the ebbs and flows, um, of the emotions that go into it. Um, also, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a mom, like I said earlier, um, and, uh, you know, I want to be present. So um, I've gotten much better with like, hey, this is this is my work time. And you know, this is my personal life. And this is my mom time. So so separating those two things. I've been doing it a long time. I'm still not very good at that. <laughs> it's, I, it's a tough one. As I say, this afternoon, my daughter was passing me notes, um, asking for cash because she didn't know where my wallet was. <laughs> and I'm on a I'm, you know, facilitating a conference call with with 13 faces staring at me yep. and she's like under the desk, slipping me notes, asking for money. <laughs> My daughter does the exact same thing. I think she actually purposely waits until I'm on a meeting. I always say, Hey, I'm on a meeting. Don't come in. Like, just give me the space. And then that's when she'll come in and like, pass me a note. That's like, Oh, can I use the iPad? Cause she knows I'm going to be like, well, well yeah. Brianna, because- <laughs> My daughter's 17. So I guess she won't grow out of it. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it, no, it's okay. It's, it's, it's all okay. But I think these are these, these funny things that we have in, yeah. in business. And I have so many people who've said to me, 
um, again, if they, they listen like to the intro of this podcast, or they hear me talk about having worked in 35 countries and all of these things, and I've raised three kids and they're like, how? And I'm, I'm like, there is not perfection behind the scenes, behind the curtain. Um, but it doesn't have to be, um, it it really, it, it really doesn't have to be. And you can raise these kids to be great citizens and have ambitions and desires and dreams of their own because they've seen, they've seen you do it. And again, that's not a gender thing. That's what, not whether you're a a man or a woman, it's, it's, it's where you're putting your time. And you said it at the beginning of, of this interview that you wanted to do something that you felt, um, would be an example and, and more of a legacy. And I, I admire everybody who grabs on, grabs onto that. Um, because there's also, when you make that leap without a safety net, it's, it's a lot to take on. It is. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I want to go back and, and, and talk just a little bit in the time that we have left again, back to the core business model of the, the patients that you have that use your portal any kind of data insights on um, repeat buying patterns, behaviors, what you're seeing in terms of trends with these these clients? Are are they finding you as this one time solution? Are they coming Are they coming back through your system multiple times? Anything there you can share with us? Yeah, um, it depends on the specialty for sure. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people will use UberDoc. Like, you know, maybe they won't use it for their primary care visit every year because it's like that's predictable. I know when I'm going to do it. But like, you know, like the example I gave earlier, I twisted my ankle and I need to see an orthopedic. You know, I I can't wait three weeks to get in. Um, so that's the typical use case. We do have, um, you know, we have a big focus on behavioral health and mental health as well. Um, Psychiatry is actually um, our number one um, utilized specialty on our platform. So we do see, yeah, so we do see a lot of... people who will come back, right? And they'll always use use UberDoc to, to access those behavioral health services. Because another thing is, is with UberDoc is, you know, it's a bit more private, right? So I'm going, you know, you're, you go on UberDoc and, and you use your, your health savings account or credit card to pay for it. It's outside of insurance. So there's no utilization, right? That shows when it comes to your insurance company or even your employer. Employer, right? Like a lot of a lot of consumers want to be a little bit more private about things like that. So UberDoc allows them that space where it's like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to get an appointment that's right for me, and nobody, you know, including my employer, needs to know about that. I think that's a really great, great point and a great benefit um, that you can definitely. I can see where that works for people. I see it just as a busy busy lifestyle, right? We're, sure. we're, it's such an on-demand society um, that, and I need it to fit my needs and my schedule. And not everybody can afford this solution, but you know, time is money for busy professionals. And right. again, if I live in a world where I have so many business meetings, so many conference calls, so many obligations to kids in school, and you're right, I, I kind of need it when I need it. And I, I can see this for such a, a great solution for that purpose. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and, 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 um, you know, when we had initially launched UberDoc, we, we thought, okay, this is going to be a great option for someone who does have, you know, the, the extra disposable income to, to kind of b- bypass and, and skip and get right in. But, but as the years have gone 
by something we've realized is, you know, about 50% of our workforce don't meet their deductible in one calendar year, right? We all have a deductible and, and um, we're just not, we're paying more for, for healthcare um, than we're getting. Um, so with UberDoc, you know, we kind of like to frame it like you're just paying differently, right? Um, if you went, you saw that orthopedic, you'd take out your blue cross card, but you have a deductible you didn't meet, you're going to, you know, you're going to get that surprise bill in the mail, you know, um, 30 days later. So we like to to tell our consumers, like, hey, you're just paying differently for it. Well, Brianna, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Um, you already established you're in over 50 states where if we, if we did come back and talk to you in, in two years, What's the vision? What's the plan? What's the growth trajectory, either in major markets or in other ways? Yeah, um, you know, obviously we want to get the name out there more. We want, um, you know, everybody to know about UberDoc. Um, and at the end of the day, we have a, a huge network of doctors and we just want consumers out there to know about it. We just want to facilitate appointments and, and democratize access to healthcare. Well, thank you so much. If people want to learn more, do more, where should they go and what should they do? Yep, you can go to our website at uber-docs.com. Hey, thank you. To our listeners, if Brianna shared something that you think somebody else needs to know or hear, please pass along a copy of this episode. And of course, we always want to tell you, reach out to her on LinkedIn, connect with her, have her be a part of your network. And, um, and again, if there are any wonderful founders that you think we need to speak with, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Brianna, thank you for being such a wonderful guest today. Thank you for having me. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.